I'm your co-host, Adrian. I'm Thomas. And I'm Zach. And we forgot that it was Halloween last time. Oh, so happy Halloween and yeah. happy Thanksgiving and all the holidays. All right. the holidays. Right. Well, you According know. According to the stores, it's now Christmas. So. Yes. We tend yeah, to record I mean, a little early, so. Mariah Carey has been dethawed at this point, and it's um They let her out of Christmas the carbon time, jail. Unfortunately. Yeah, the carbonite jail from Star, Star Wars, Wars, right? Yep, yep. I got the reference. Hell you did yeah. It. You did See, it. So I, people you. are always like, how come you haven't seen Star Wars? I'm like, because I feel like I've seen it all through GIFs and memes. Well, that's so that's really need to watch that's my response about Parks and Rec, too. I've seen all the good parts. Don't need to see any more of it. It's a really good show. <laughs> no, it's not. It's ter- I was going to say, the, what I've watched of it was terrible. Season one's rough. After that, you're good to go. Yeah. But okay, what are we doing today? Today we yeah. are We're venturing off the beaten path. We're venturing off the beaten path. I pulled another D D book off my shelf. The Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. So today we're gonna Ooh. cover a monster from their bestiary and an item from their uh, items list instead of not a, it's not an itemary. I don't think so. I guess it's an inventory. Uh yeah, inventory. Maybe they have it labeled as Wild Mount Map. Treasures. Ooh, yeah. Vault. So, for those of you who aren't familiar, Wild Mount is part of the larger world of Exandria, which is where the Critical Role campaigns are set. Yeah, um, they are. I believe Wild Mount is the setting for Campaign Two. Correct. Okay, I haven't listened to Campaign Two, um, which it's was how I grabbed grabbed this book without even realizing it was part of Critical Role. Um, <laughs> you knew it was written by Mercer, right? Wasn't it written? Not by when I bought it. Well, I thought you it knew. is written by Mercer. Yeah, yeah. I thought you yeah. knew that when you got it. I did. He's published three books now. Yeah. So one is a revisit, though. But yeah. Cool. Uh, but yeah, I just thought it sounded like a fun setting to someday run my own D and D campaign. Two years ago, still hadn't done that it. That was last year. It was only a year ago. Well, still it was done September it. of last we, year. We were I shooting to start last August September. Yeah. <laughs> we're only a little behind. You know. Yeah. So what's what's uh spe- it's special about Wild Mount? Isn't it like wintry or something? Cold? Part of it. I mean, Part it's just it's one of the continents. Oh, okay. Right. I don't okay. know if there's yeah. anything particular. I don't know anything about it. It's oh. a it's its own continent in Alexandria. It is the location for season or campaign two. Uh, it does have a colder region, and in the show, it is in a war. Yes. A, a war between countries is yes. the important thing about it. Yes, this is very much a, if, if this is something you're interested in, in running a world in, there is a lot of um, politics and intrigue and war yes. to be had. If that is the kind of campaign you want to run, I would look into this one, because that definitely seems to be a major theme. So, what monster are we going with? Today we are on page 295 of the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount. We will be talking about the Moorbounder. He bounds more. He bounds the more. He bounds more all the time, everywhere, all at once. Set. Uh, one of the many predators to stalk the marshlands and muddy foothills of Zorhas. Is that right? Zorhas. Zorhas. Yeah. Yep. More bounders My are house known. Or at- Zorhas. Sorry. I'm speaking. I know. <laughs> 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 Sorry. 
Do you not have anybody there to tell you that they are speaking, Zach? You just speak all the time. I say that all the time to Cooper because he just barks at me. Oh, okay. Perfect. That makes sense. Especially yeah. when I'm teaching. It's very annoying, and I just have to apologize to my students. It's rough. <laughs> Uh, more bounders are known as dangerous killers to those who try to avoid them on their travels and as prized mounts for those willing to capture and train them. Though the process that was of... Sorry, that was part of campaign two. They did have more bounder mounts. Did they? Ooh, yes, that sounds fun. They scared everyone. Yeah, yeah these sorry. things very much look like large cats. Like a black panther like with panthers, tusks. but they're really muscly and bulky and have tusks. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, I would picture, like, something between a Black Panther and a boar, almost. Um, it's the closest mm. I can get to what this picture looks like, and it's walking through water because it's a marshy thing. And that's what a moor, yes, is. Or, I don't... Okay, thank you. One of them studied the environmental sciences outdoors, and the others of us have been in a lab all of our lives. Yes, yes. <laughs> In Shakespeare's time, it was also a black person, a name for a black person as well. Oh, but also, Lord. but also a moor is like a marshy area. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's a he's a founder of the moors. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. Yep, you seemed like you needed it. <laughs> Though the process of domesticating a moor bounder is fraught with peril, these creatures can become favored hunting companions and powerful war mounts. I believe that. Okay. They are mm-hmm. natural hunters. More bounders hunt with elongated tusks and retractable claws. With vague resemblance to large hunting cats, their muscular bodies are built for combat, granting them incredible prowess at leaping and a running speed that makes them dominant carnivores. And then there are bristled more bounders. A weird and deadly offshoot of the more bounder has rows of long blade-like bristles covering its sleek body. Ew. Um... <laughs> The creature weaponizes these blades, using them to slash nearby creatures to ribbons. However, these blades make the bristled moorbounder less suitable as a mount. I can see. Yeah, mm, yeah. little pokey. Little pokey. All right, so stat block time. These are a large beast. They are unaligned. They have a natural armor class of thirteen. Hit points of thirty, forty, ten plus eight, and a speed of seventy feet. Oh, yeah. Bounding. Damn. They fast. They're faster than a horse. They fast. They will catch you. Um, they have a strength of 18, a dex of 14, a con of 14, an intelligence of 2. Uh, so they're not, they not smart. Can't communicate with them. Uh, wisdom of 13 and a charisma of 5. Uh, so you can train something with a negative... Four intelligence to be a mount? Uh, yeah, I mean, yep. I think all the beasts are, largely beasts are unintelligent. Yeah, they all have a um, intelligence level four or lower. I mean, I usually. think it would be frowned upon morally to have intelligence. Right, it's inte- okay, so it's wisdom. It's a higher wisdom and a lower intelligence, right? I'm, yeah, I may beasts be always have low intelligence and that's higher what wisdom. That's what I'm yeah. getting back. They are not book smart, but they're aware of their surroundings. Gotcha, gotcha. They, they, yeah. Right. They have a dark vision, 60 feet, passive perception, 11, um, obviously no languages, and a ch- they are a CR1. So, um... So these are your, like, when you're playing your, your, um, 
MMORPGs, these are the things that you go out and you just like, I'm going to kill that one, and I'm going to kill that one, I'm going to kill when you're XP farming. Uh, those are normally even slower CRs. There's like one eighth CRs to right, one quarter. Right, right, right. I was yeah, gonna say these kind of is like not low for CR of one. Okay, yeah, yeah like level one, if one or two of these would be difficult. One, level one, one player. This would be hard. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. I guess I'm thinking of goblins. Goblins. Those yep. are, I think, a quarter for a goblin. Right. Yep. Uh, special abilities. They have standing leap. More bounders. Long jump is up to 40 feet high. And its high jump is 20 feet with or without a running start. So they can just jump up in that tree. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, don't hide in the trees from this guy. Don't hide in the trees. They're going to grab your leg and take you down. Mm -hmm. From 20 feet is their high jump? Yeah. Can you imagine them jumping, biting, and then pulling you down? And because of the fall damage, that's a total of 2d6s extra damage. Yep. Um, Their attack is claws. It's a melee weapon attack, plus 6 to hit. Reach of 5 feet, 1 target, and it does 4d4 plus 4 slashing damage. So, that's... Not too bad. Um, if we move over to the bristled Moorbounder, um, it looks like stats are largely the same. It has an armor class of 15 and some more hit points. Um, it is considered a CR3. Oh, mm. that's a pig. That's a big jump. That's a jump. That's because now we have blades. Um, on its spine, geez. Bladed hide. At the start of each of its turns, the more bounder deals five or two d four piercing damage to any creature grappling it. Well, yeah, so no grapple seems like it. The less than ideal way to fight it. And still has the high jump. <laughs> it also has multi attack. Ah, so that's a big difference. It makes two attack, one with blades and one with its claw. So the blades are plus six to hit, five feet reach, one target. Does 2d6 plus 4 slashing as opposed to 4d4 plus 4 uh, from the claws. So, the multi-attack makes a big difference on challenge rating. Yep. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's the same thing for a player, too. Once you get that at level 5, you are much harder to hit. Oh, yeah, 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 no. I like multi-attack. I, yeah, I can see why. Especially if you're a melee-based character. Yep. <laughs> Well, that's an exciting creature. I I like that. I mean, it's clearly something from Matt Mercer's imagination, right? Like, and I mean, all of these creatures we're talking about are from imagination or folklore. But I like the idea of using those as kind of like your rapid-paced uh, creature. Um, have, buying one of those, I recall they bought them in the game for like 50 to 100 gold pieces each, something like that. Like, they're not, or more, they're not cheap. They're expensive mounts because I think a war horse is like 400 gold pieces in the uh, equipment list. So buying one of those is going to be very, very expensive in most cases. Which makes sense because they're hard to train and hard to get. Yes, very much so. I, I can see a... To me, this would be a fun like, hey guys, you're actually in more bounder territory why don't we try to set up an encounter where you can wrangle your own Moorbounder and either 
a party member is like a druid or anybody who has beast bond and is willing to kind of cast that on the party's animals to try to get them to be friends with them and use them as mounts, which will make it a little faster. That lasts 24 hours and the creature can decide you're going to have to bribe that creature, which is usually through food, um, to hold on to them and keep them in the group. Uh, but they have to capture them and stuff like that. You clearly can't capture the one that you're not supposed to ride because that just says stab me in the genitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... Uh, you need a really good saddle for that one. I don't even know what that's going to say. <laughs> it's just it's knives. It's going to cut through leather. So the um, the idea would be behind that is to easily go through and... Or not easily. It would be a challenge to have them stop the animal animal handle them down to be captured use beast bond or something on them and try to convince them to be your ally and then you'd have to do animal handling checks and feed them uh they are um carnivores and so they eat anything so i recall multiple times where um the group would um uh, just kill somebody somewhere, and as they're kind of like trying to figure out what they're gonna do about the bodies, the more founders have already eaten them. So yeah. it's a good trash disposal too. I think it's a good way, you know, circle of life. Uh, they are gonna finish what they started. Uh, but I could see it being an interesting thing. Also, it would be uh a good use for a um encounter in Jorhas or wherever you're setting it in your own setting where your enemies have one of these. And they are bounding away from you, as they are more bounders in a swamp, maybe. Who knows? Uh, and are running away very quickly. And you have a horse that doesn't have that speed. And so you have to do a chase scene, which we've already had a discussion in the past about. But I can see this as being a a good encounter of a chase or a hunt together. Not necessarily like a, they come across you and fight you. That is the standard encounter of like you're in their territory. You are now in their food chain as well. Like when you go knee deep in the ocean for sharks. So in this case, if you're in a moor, you're part of the food chain. So I can see that as a good opportunity to kind of introduce the players to like how dangerous the environment is. But also there's an opportunity to get a mount type thing. So it would depend on if the players are aware that that's a possibility. Maybe they've seen someone in town riding one of these and go, that's dope and also scary. And (laughs) then they're attacked by them outside. That would be how I would set this up is... The party is visiting a region that has these as a local animal. Not all of them are domestic, obviously. But they see somebody riding one, and that night they either are already outside on their own, or that day they're outside, and they have the opportunity to try to capture them. And it might not be that it happens all at once. Like The odds of having a perfectly matched number to the party is not common, right? Mm-hmm. And right. I don't think... There, I I don't recall if you said they're solitary, so they might not even hunt and pack. It didn't. Right? I it did not say. say. Yeah. So I'm assuming like they're cats. Cat, big cats aren't really. I mean, lions aren't solitary. Yeah. Yeah. Big so, cats usually. Oh. Well, some of them are like panthers and stuff are pretty solitary. But panthers like, very much are, and that it is panther like. Solitary. And oh, bears. Yeah. They're not big cats though. I mean, like a cheetah's not yeah. even a big cat, so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, sounds like the DM gets to decide whether they're solitary or not. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it could just be like the party's got some downtime and they're going to spend a week finding mounts. They could pay for them or they can go get them from the woods. And maybe they can pay for the The guy will even offer them like, hey, I can domesticate it for you for half the price. 
or they can try to do it on their own. Yeah. Or something like that. So yeah. Better hope that sleep spell lasts a while. It doesn't. It's only for a minute. So good luck with that. Or dominate, uh, dominate creature would probably be, or beast or monster would be necessary. It's probably not a monster. It's not a monstrosity. It should be a beast. So, uh, it is a beast, though, so I would also like to point out that by the rules of the druid uh, sh- wild shape, a beast qualifies, so you could turn into a moorbounder if you wanted to as a druid. So you are your own fastest mount. Correct. So as long as it's described as a beast, and it is a CR1, so Circle of the Moon druid gets that by default. Nice. Cool. And, and until your level... Six or something, or it might be eight. I can't remember exactly where it's half your level. Um, then you could turn into the one with knives on the back. So yours, and that would be rough. But also, your friends couldn't ride you. I mean, they could, but it would be well. (laughs) You ready to move on to Uh, our magic item? Yes, I've heard the name of this one, and I'm interested. Hit me with it. (laughs) Yep. So we have. The Amulet of the Drunkard, and it's on page 265, also in the Adventurer's Guide to Wild Mount. Explorer's Guide. Explorer's, Adventurer's. What's the difference? We're not getting into that right now. Oh. <laughs> Says the man who corrected Adrian on Moors. <laughs> I, I informed her. Mm, she informed you. Yeah. She's she's staring daggers. Anyway, 265, (laughs) Amulet of the Drunkard, is a wondrous item, and it's uncommon. This amulet smells of old, ale-stained wood. While wearing it, you can regain 4d4 plus 4 hit points when you drink a pint of beer, ale, mead, or wine. Once the amulet has restored hit points, it can't do so again until the next dawn. Does it? Damn. That's nice. It's sweet, huh? This is my beer yeah. is my new healing potion. That's good. I feel like it's good for storytelling. Like it pulls you into yeah. taverns and stuff more. Well, it pulls you into taverns, but uh, a price of a drink is so because it doesn't say the quality, right? It just says yeah. a beverage of a pint volume. It, it, so yeah, it says a pint of beer, ale, meat, or wine. And what's the hit points again that you get back? Four d four. Four d four. Yeah, plus four. Plus four. It's a lot of plus hit four. points. So, so that is the equivalent of two health potions. Right. Yeah. So at minimum eight. Right off the bat. Yeah. At minimum eight. But the, and 20. Um, is that is my yes. math right? Yeah, right. 20 math. Yeah, that's right. Between eight and so, um, <clears throat> Excuse me. Something in my throat. No. I'll edit that out. I won't. I'm just kidding. Uh, but the, um, the, the, so a standard health potion is 50 gold pieces. Unless your market is bad, then it's way more than that or worse. So uh, the way that would, I mean, just imagine you're getting 4d4 health points back, hit points back just by drinking a five silver piece drink. Yeah. And daily. It works daily. Daily. Yeah. So you could could just like keep a flask on you and like, oh, I'm in the middle of fight instead of pulling out a 50 gold health potion i'm gonna take a swig yeah you just chug chug it and take a bunch of it yeah you gotta you gotta quaff that shit because it's that'll be a pint yeah yeah um, and i guess it would take her a while (laughs) take adrian you have to nurse it maybe yeah yeah 
Yeah. I mean, it's wine or it's. I think it said liquor too. Liquor, wine, or beer. No, it said mead. Oh, mead. Oh, okay. Liquor's really not listed in this game very often. It's mainly beer, wine. Beer, ale, mead, wine. Yeah. So I, you could do that. That would be a great add-on to like the way of the dr- the monk way of the drunken palm yeah. or something like that. Yes. Way of the I, drunken monk or something. I don't know. I played that for the yeah for the one that Zach. Oh yeah, that's DM'd the one we for did us. A few, a few episodes. It's been before, so before, long. Before you had to do grad school and got busy. Well, no, he was in grad school. But he <laughs> he just decided he wasn't busy enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was fun. We did I what, like that... four sessions, I think. So of a D and D game. Yeah, that's campaign? about all we did. And then you were like, "I have to write my dissertation." You fired that, us. That was, um, yeah. And did I graduate that year? No, that was twenty nineteen. So, yeah, <laughs> didn't do it till twenty twenty. I had to have a pandemic to get me to graduate. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Nothing like a little my... bit of pressure. Yeah, it was more my advisor than anything. Um, so, yeah, I agree. I think uh, it would be a good drink to have. It would be a good way to... Um, Item. Uh, yeah, and I mean, drink. It's, yeah. And you drink. Could, it does require a drink with it. Yes, so, um, but it but, could be but the, drink, the drink goes away. The amulet sticks around, I hope. Yeah, I, you better, yeah. Don't um, drink you the would, amulet. You could try. What if you put Oof. it somewhere? Um, but the... Uh, the that would go really well well that was alcohol technically but um or liquor the uh one of the characters from the second campaign uh had a endless flask of i want to say whiskey that they had created because they were an alcoholic uh in game and so they they eventually changed it to something less strong i want to say it was wine maybe by the end i can't remember uh, but they, uh, that would have been good, but whiskey doesn't qualify. So if you did wine, you could just have an endless flask of that and just chug it on the battlefield for a pint. Uh, but you would have to, I, I could see it being helpful, but you also have to count into the fact that that's probably not a good combat strategy because nope. you will be drunk. Yeah. I was wondering. I mean, like, it's, one pint. it's one make... pint a day. Yeah. It's I know you don't drink much Zach, but one pint is not going to get most people that's drunk. true and mead and wine don't have enough alcohol one pint content of wine is a one lot. pint of okay one pint of wine is quite a bit no one drinks yeah. a pint of wine i mean a pint is what 400 something milliliters that's half a bottle more almost milliliters. more than half a bottle i'm just i'm Freaking trying to, american units are stupid we all well, know agreed that. yes <laughs> agreed yeah. uh, but a pint did not originate in America. Yeah, I do not believe. Nope. No, it's in Europe. Okay, so but they and they still use pints, but they're not the same pint volume. Oh, that's so. Tough. A U.S. Okay. pint is four hundred and seventy-three milliliters. That's more than half a bottle of wine if you have a handle which is seven hundred fifty milliliters. Yep. So damn, it's a lot. Yeah, you would never drink that much wine on the battlefield. Yeah, so how would you, would you, like, make them do a a con, con save. save to see if they can chug their beer and not, uh, I don't know, get drunk. spill it yeah. or get drunk or... Yeah, perfect item for, like, a dwarf or anybody with a background with a, uh, a resistance to poison. Yeah. 
so you could drink it. I love that the description. I love like we have a resistance to poison, and then they're like booze is poison, which it is. It is alcohol is poison. Uh, The dose makes the poison. The dose does make the poison. True. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the dosage, and then how it biochemically breaks down. But yes. Yes. So it's fun. I have a professional degree in poisons. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and I have a background in. So, yeah, right. it's fun. We use a, a bunch of ethanol. Yeah, <laughs> touching grass, going outside. Uh-huh. We, we, we use a lot of ethanol to sterilize our biosafety cabinet, so we're all on top of it. Yeah. All right. So. It smells horrible. You ready to tip us? Yeah, what's the, just the tips. Let's do it. Just the tips. Just so. the tips. So, I've been discussing how I'm going to actually start DMing, and I think we've determined that starting with a one-off is probably the best approach. I so, would highly recommend that. Talk to me about your strategies, about how you do a one-off differently from a regular campaign, and how maybe to get started if you just want to test out your DMing skills doing the one-off. So, great question. Uh, because we one-offs, know you love one-offs, and I have them all the time. one-offs. I do you don't like commitment I we get have commitment issues you <laughs> yeah, are correct. yeah yeah hashtag so, same yeah so i've actually so okay what i usually will do is i will i will pick a theme and go with that for a one-off so um and even if it's not a one-off it might be like considered a mini campaign yeah so um that is normally i'll see something that i find interesting that'll be like a writing prompt or whatever and so one writing prompt i saw recently was like hey what if um the zombie infection wasn't actually turning you in turning people into zombies it just made you see zombies until you became the zombie so that is a concept i ran with and so i wrote a three-part series about that uh, which starts off with the spoiler alert. I hope y'all forget this because eventually we, mm, I'll probably do the space one off with you guys. Uh, but Adrian the, very much wants to do the space one off. I, I know. Space so bad, so. We can do it in December, probably, maybe. I don't know because it's 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 holiday time, right? Like every weekend is booked at this point. Oh, <laughs> uh, so but yeah, yeah, yeah. The way I can see it is that you would have. Um, the way what the way I always approach it is one you can always buy one you can always buy one you can always download one. Um, there's always a many story, things you can a do. A one off story. A one off story. Yep, you can yep. find them on uh, GM's Binder, uh, Drive Through RPG. Uh, there's another one that I cannot remember. I use Drive Through RPG the most because it's usually pretty cheap. Um, I do say there's a lot of them that are free on there, uh, but they do have a hey come back and pay for it if you like option. So okay. once you've downloaded it, if you liked it, you can go and support the creator, which I highly and recommend. And you should. You should support people that make good content. Exactly. That sounds like a jab at our listeners. I don't know how, but, I mean, we're not no. charging you for this. There's so. literally no way for them to support us. No. You can yeah, support we us don't, by commenting no. on my Instagram posts. We, we have a Patreon. I just never what? turned it on. What? We what? have a yeah. Patreon. We have a Patreon. You're, you're, just, you're um, taking in all this cash and not sharing. We didn't even know this there, was a thing. It's <laughs> offline. It has. It, we made an account for Patreon and then never did anything with it because we're ah. just like, well, we're we're not consistent enough. 
and nobody that talks to us. Anyways. Once people pay you, you're supposed to be consistent. I yeah, you have to dedicate yourself to it. And I mean, we are. Uh, yeah, I said, I said, pay people for good content. Dude, that's yeah. true. I, I was not. That's that not was not directed at our listeners. You prefaced it. Good point. So, <laughs> um, what I generally do for the one-offs is I'll either find one that I think is interesting, or for example, the one we played with your coworkers was it was themed. It was Halloween. Yeah, we did so, the zombies versus uh, werewolves. Yeah, yeah, and which was so, very fun. It was fun. Yeah. The premise of that one is that the zombies and werewolves lived on. Nope, we all nope. went to the same vampires, college. Vampires and werewolves. Vampires, vampires and werewolves. That's right. Zombies doesn't really work out. Um, and D and D lore. Um, so uh, the concept of that was to, uh, and it was stupid. Is it was modern. So the party, the party had their own weapons on them. They didn't necessarily have to carry around like their old ancient weapons because zombies and werewolves have claws and shit. Uh, but the, or damn it, you got me saying zombies, uh, vampires and werewolves. So we used our college campus that we all attended since they all knew it pretty well. And, uh, especially since I had maps of it from taking photos of them. And, um, we had a one-off where they were hosting a fraternity party because all of those, uh, those are such ancient organizations of werewolf and zombies that they actually have fraternities on campus and their numbers are slim. Uh, they had fraternities or sororities on campus and so they had to um recruit people and so they had a budget from their treasurer who gave them money to support it and i had npcs that had specific likes dislikes and stuff like that and so uh someone ended up trying to sabotage the recruiting event and they had to get so many members or their their uh greek life would be dissolved and so there was already a subplot of that mainly it was because i always start a one-off normally with new players and so if i'm doing that i want them to get an idea of how to roll outside of combat so get them comfortable with the game so that they're like yeah i want to do this i'm like tell me what you want to do i'll tell you what stat to roll let's do it uh so that one's always fun Faked doing coke in a bathroom with a guy. <laughs> you did fake doing coke because there was a coke addict. There was also a lot of there was one horse girl too. I stereotyped. <laughs> oh, I forgot about you did. Girl. You did. I there yes. is an equestrian team at our previous university. So yeah, a very good equestrian team. Okay, to be fair, I never followed it. I drove past it because we had a storage uh, facility past it, but it was interesting. So start a one off off, get them involved. A kind of I like one offs that have an established concept first. So you have to go in and do something, and then I completely derail you with something else. So the goal of that one off was recruit people. That's what the premise of the story yeah, was. However, you ended up fighting because that was my goal was to pit you guys against each other uh, because one of the recruits was killed. And so the goal was to see to see who would blame the other ones because there was another villain in the background trying to destroy the organizations on campus. And so while they were trying to build up the organization, someone was actively working against them to take it down. And so with that in mind, uh, you can start a one-off that way. Alternatively, just buy one. But when I approach a one-off, it's very easy to test your skills by just downloading it, read it out first, get your maps ready, and get your players ready. And if that one-off is going to be set inside of your own universe or your own setting, then find out where you're going to put it. Uh, for example, the space one-off I have is a Spelljammer one-off. I keep calling it space. It 
technically is. Uh, but the Spelljammer one-off is meant to introduce people to that setting uh, and how to use the Spelljammers and the movements and mechanics of that. And then if the players like it, I've technically written a world around it. So if it's essentially my recruiting technique is what I use right. one-offs for. Right, but it, it, it's also... I mean, I think mm. if you're going to have a setting, you want a setting that people are going to be, like you said, with the college, familiar with, not something familiar so yeah. foreign and strange that they're like not able to grasp the app, the the environment that they're working with. Exactly, like, you, you want to make it if it's gonna if it's gonna happen in a single sitting, having familiarity and ease of getting through things definitely helps with that so that you can focus on the goal, the content. Yeah. And it's always get them familiar with like things on the ship. And so like for that one, the ship has a plane of gravity and you can essentially walk around it because it holds you to the object. And so there were some encounters on the ship where they had to go check the ship for leeches, check their inventory, do all these things. And so there's, there's an idea of that. And then they had to do combat later. So I need to edit the maps for that. Now that I think about it. Whoops. Uh, so uh, the I and I have I'm running this game tonight. So um, I should really be prepared. It's at eight o'clock tonight. It's going to be late. Uh, so, but the the concept is I always I use a one off to get people to stick their toes in the water and test out D and D. So a lot of people will approach me and say, "Hey, I want to try D and D." I was like, "Cool." I have always looked at myself as kind of a warlock patron in terms of D&D. The more people I get to play D&D, the more powerful I become. Uh, and well, I have taught a lot of places. He's a dealer. He's I'm a, a drug dealer. dealer. Yeah. He, he, you got he, any the of first, those? The, the first one's free. Yeah. Uh. You got any <laughs> of those uh, dice? Uh, so, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so th- the way I go with that is just wet their feet or toes, whatever we were calling it. Get them, in, get them involved. Uh, and then, so yeah, that's the one off I did was I haven't played D and D in person since Halloween of 2020. And so I got my coworkers to play D and D in person. And I was just like, if you guys like it, I have stuff, but so far our schedule has been rough. Cause we, I did it in October and now it's November and that's not that long. Hard. It hasn't been that long. I mean, we've waited a year for Adrian. So, I mean, yep. the bar yep. is low. Uh, so but i would i would you can do a one-off um if you're looking at the explorer's guide to wild mount i believe there's three settings in the back you can use three short stories that you can get to um another good start is adventures league um adventures league is designed to be one-off ish to a degree um it depends on the table if it's a very big table which is very common in adventures league uh with multiple people you will probably have it break into multiple sections but those are meant to be digested and processed in about three hours for adventures league and they're created by wizards of the coast in general to get people to play in game shops and i know our local game store i don't know if they do adventures league um but i know they regularly have little Mm one-offs um fairly regularly that it's like hey you know this night i need you know four to five people or probably four to eight people to sign up to come do this. And if we get that many, we'll have it type of thing. Um, And they do that like two or three times a month, probably. Yeah. There's a local game shop that does that as well. I, I enjoy it. One-offs are my favorite because it's not 
like you said, I'm not very committal to a campaign. Um, yeah, same. Maybe because I like my weekends to do nothing because I tend to work a little late on the weekdays. Uh, no. And then I just stay up till 5 a.m. playing Modern Warfare 2. So uh... I'm that guy now. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but it's enjoyable. I find it a good way to get people in. And it's a great way for meeting people as well. You have the opportunity to say, hey, do you want to try this? Uh, it was kind of weird. I think the only problem I had with my last game is that I, uh, with my coworkers, is I got distracted and burned some burgers. So, <laughs> yeah, they came Set out. Set a timer for that shit. I, it was, my hopper ran out, so I overcorrected because I have a ah, pellet right, grill. Right, right. And I cranked that shit to 400 and it did not go well. It also, I learned that when I had LASIK, my tolerance to smoke is now negative five. It is bad. And so if I get smoke in my eyes, I'm out. I can't see. I was like crying in my backyard while my coworkers were like, it's just, ah, it burns. <laughs> just tear response from that. So it was great. Yeah. Uh, but. I did burn them. Uh, I've also now grilled vegetarian burgers from Beyond Meat. Yeah, uh, they rig those things to bleed. I don't like it. <laughs> like you put a patty together, and I went and was grilling a burger, and then I had those separate on a clean piece of foil because I didn't want them to cross contaminate with meat. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, I came back after cleaning my spatula off of raw meat, and it was legitimately just. Bleeding, be bleeding beet juice out of it. Like, this is not okay. Why did they do this? This is That's unnecessary. Amazing. Like, it's not okay. So that confused me and concerned me. Yeah. So highly Thanks recommend. They were delicious, though. I'll be honest. Like, I ate one of them. They were pretty good. <laughs> I think you're done with. We're done with the tips, right? We're done with the tips. Whenever okay. you're grilling your veggie burgers, uh, watch them. But also, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Be warned they bleed if you've never done it before. It's it's yeah. very off-putting. Uh, so yeah, just the tips. Uh, do your one-offs. Get your feet wet. Try it out. Um, mainly, it's an opportunity to invest in a setting. Uh, my The way I will sometimes do it is for newer players, I'll start them off at like a level five one-off. And then if they're interested in it, I start at level one and let them work back up to the events of the one-off. Oh, So cool that idea. is an opportunity to... So it sounds to, like... It sounds like the one-offs are both a, a good place for an experienced DM to bring in new players, but it's probably also no. a good place to have experienced players working with a new DM as well. Correct. But you as a player, if you are the experienced one, or if you're second DM or whatever, the back, you're, you're a DM at the t forever DM at the Don't table. Don't backseat. Don't backseat yeah, back DM. Don't backseat DM. If, if someone asks, clarify a rule. That's always great. You can always my I will be asked frequently at a table, what is the normal role on that? I said it's usually this. However, rule of cool, do whatever you want. And so that gives the player the DM an opportunity to make their own house rules and do what they gotta do. Nice. So yeah, that's my tip. Um I just stuck the tip in there. What is your book recommendation for this weekend? Oh, I am Week. going to bring up the the Odd Thomas series by Dean Koontz. Uh, oh. And that's one... Oh, man, I've read it. It's been a hot minute, but it's a very good series. Uh, Dean Koontz is one of these, like, prolific writers where, like, oh, he'll put about, like, three or four books a year type of dude. I don't know how he does it. And some are, some are very good, and some are just kind of like, meh. 
but um, I thoroughly enjoyed Odd Thomas was the series that kind of got me into him. And, and it's, it's not a description of a guy named Thomas. His first name is Odd and his last name is Thomas. And, um, and you really connected with this character. Yeah. 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 That Uh I, I, it would be lying if I would, if I said that wasn't the first thing that caught my attention. Oh, okay. Pretty sure I picked it up in like Sam's club before going on vacation when I was like in high school. Right. Like it was just like, what is the, um, never heard of this odd Thomas. That sounds interesting. Let's grab it. But it's got my Um, name on it. (laughs) uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not conceited at all. I promise. Um, but the, the premise is, uh, I think his tagline is, uh, I see dead people, but then by God, I do something about it. Yeah. And so he can, he can see dead people, essentially ghosts, um, and nobody else can see them. They can't talk to him, but basically he solves their murders, essentially. Ooh. But it's not, um, not as basic murder mystery. Like there's usually a bigger bad than just like one person that got killed. Um, there's some other kind of dark forces that go along with it. Um, that can, well, I guess I'm trying to remember now what he calls them, but there's like these basically shadows that'll show up and they like show up in bigger numbers when more people are about to die type of thing. So almost like premonitions of, of upcoming catastrophe um and and so it's very good it's a very funny series um and and dean Koontz has a lot of most of his books i would say are like light at the end of the tunnel like they're very dark but then they kind of they they tend to end very happily um or or at least upbeat um and usually the there's a bunch of like supernatural shit happening but pretty much always the biggest bad is a human yeah (laughs) right like in general yeah right it's like oh there's some scary shit out there but the worst thing is people Uh, oil (laughs) executive yeah Uh, (laughs) the um on on that note i would highly recommend it's an old series that was canceled so long ago uh pushing daisies uh with lee pace and anna friel uh, I love this series. I think it got canceled after two seasons, and I'll never forgive them. Uh, but you can find it on CW Seed app or website. It's very good. Uh, the guy who's the main character has the ability to bring people back to life by touching them. Oh, but but there's equivalent exchange if we're going full alchemist here. Yeah, is yeah, that yeah. every action equal opposite reaction? So if you bring someone back to life, somebody else has to die. And so the only problem is, is that once he's brought them back to life by tapping them and just touching them, he cannot touch them again. Or he takes that life-giving power away. And so he has one minute to bring them back to life before it kills the next person, somebody else. So at one point, like this is like episode one, beginning of the series, he, uh, his mother has a heart attack and dies. And he shakes her awake, and she comes, she just wakes up like nothing happens. Uh, a minute later, his neighbor, the girl he has a crush on, father just passes out, dies mowing the yard because his mother has exceeded the one minute time limit. Uh, so she dies, and then that night, when his mother tucks him into bed, she gives him a kiss on the forehead, and she immediately dies again. Uh. So 
mom dies, neighbor's dad dies. They essentially just have like this whole familiar shift and they end up moving apart from each other. Uh, but also he has this golden retriever dog that he uh, was playing with and it gets hit by a car or train or something and taps it back to life. Uh, but at that point, he cannot touch the dog. He can't pet it. So he has like a little stick to pet the dog. But he has the dog in adulthood. So he's had that golden retriever since a kid. And that dog stays around and they just can't touch. So what he does, though, is he works with the detective. And what they'll do is they'll go into the um, they'll go into the morgue and they'll just tap a dead body, ask them who killed them or who they think killed them and how they died, and then tap them out and then try to solve the crime together. Huh, so it's interesting. It's a, it is it that's funny that it's a golden retriever because Dean Koontz loves his golden retrievers. There's many golden retrievers across his books. That is true. Yeah. They're they're the the family dog, right? They're very expensive family dogs, but yeah. So highly <laughs> recommend the books. I actually think I'm going to look into that book series because that sounds very interesting. Oh yeah, Odd uh, Thomas is great. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, with that, uh, I think we're going to wrap this episode up because you guys got to get to Habitat for Humanity to donate some stuff because y'all are yeah. good people. Um, we got to get things out of our house that we are no longer using. I am on that. I got to get rid of a desk. I'm trying to get rid of a console, two consoles, and uh, another desk. And a dresser. I am on the ball to get rid of stuff. <laughs> we better out of my let house. you go then. I'm not doing it today. I'm gonna actually try to sell them because they're. <laughs> I just don't want to drag them away. So yeah, with that, uh, check us out on our social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and that's it. Um, feel free to message us. We're at Sweet Tea and D and D on both of those platforms. D and D. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. Uh, everybody, say goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.